you're about to enter seventh heaven. If you like this pod, then you can show your support by rating us five stars and hitting that little subscribe button to help us climb the pod rankings and spread the sevens gospel. If you're looking for extra content, you can go to our YouTube page or our social channels, Twitter and Instagram, our handle at seventh heaven pod. Again, like, subscribe, share, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome back to your celestial one-stop pod. For two years, the greatest pod on the planet has laid dormant, but it's ready to erupt back into your ears as we chase the fun and the sun around the globe in search of heavenly sevens. To the lads, to the lasses, to the Usos and the Wahinis, and come the grand finale this time round, the hombres and the senoritas. You're all welcome in seventh heaven and we cannot wait to welcome you to our world up here in the clouds. I cannot believe it, but after two years, Tom Mitchell, we're back. How good. We're back in the game, Burnsy. It's been too long. Back in the game. Man, what a two years. Flown by. <laughs> a few things gone on. A few things gone on in the world of Rugby Sevens. A few things gone on in our lives personally. I guess to the... To the old school, the OGs, all those who listened before, good to have you again. And to the new folk, because that's what the game is planning to bring on in, welcome to the Rugby Sevens podcast, the OG. Accept no imitations and uh, sit back and enjoy the mayhem, I guess. (laughs) Mayhem is right. If anyone knew, there is very little polished about this conversation it's chaos but that is the game of sevens i've actually had quite a few people burnsy inquiring when the pod was coming back and they're going to be sat at home listening to this incredibly happy indeed we probably let the appetite build a little bit too long in hindsight but hey better late than never Better late than never. I think, man, we were all a little bit burnt out after the Olympics in Tokyo. That's the last time we all got together. You'd obviously been on the playing journey. Uh, I'd been on the podding journey. And we also used to have a few more members permanently up here in the clouds as well. So we got to give a shout out to the OG Big Goose, number one crumper himself, Big Chip, who has not left us forever, but he has... He has finally hung his boots. I know, I know. It's been the end of an era for a lot of the guys. A lot of the guys we spoke to on the pod before in the previous seasons. But yeah, Chip, he's he's starting his new adventure on the Isle of Wight. Nod to his new coffee shop. Open in there. Get yourself down for a flat white. Uh, Chippy upskilling himself. You should see his latte art. It's coming along nicely. Who knew that the man that was all power, had such finesse in his fingers. This is your opportunity to drop his coffee shop's name in. And I know, I know that you've forgotten what it's, it's called. It's not. It's got its Swedish name, actually, and it's called Lagom. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Lagom Coffee, Isle of Wight. Check it out. Tough, no-nonsense coffee from the tough northerner himself. Good luck, Chip. We're going to be over on the Isle of Wight to grab a flat white soon enough and Bert's of course well 
She's young, isn't she? She's a whippersnapper and she is back playing and we are loving seeing her back playing. Had a few health problems, uh, which are reasonably well documented. And the reason they're so well documented is because her comeback has been nothing short of inspirational. She's back playing Premier Rugby. She's back on the series for GB. Love Burtz's work. Big up Burtz. Yeah, epic. Um, Real tough uh, hand she was dealt through that. But what a story. Anyone who hasn't heard of it, seen it, documented on socials, go and check it out because you'll shed a tear, but you will have the fire well and truly burning within you. Inspirational stuff from Burtz. Mitch. What about you? What's been going on the last two years? Mate, I don't even know. I mean, mostly I've been lost without this, without our regular catch-ups and uh, chatting about sevens with the listeners. I've I've retired is my news, I suppose. Is that official? I mean, like the ha- I feel there hasn't been a proper post. There hasn't been the pomp and ceremony. Well, I there was a bit of a song and dance made about it when I announced last year after the World Cup in Cape Town, I said, I'm done with sevens, that's it. Part sevens. Um, but I was quite specific about it being sevens because I thought maybe I'll have continue my little foray into the world of 15s after I'd had a season over in the MLR. Um, but sometimes the universe delivers you some signs and largely the signs I was getting was there aren't many gigs out there for an ageing X7s player to go into the world of 15s. So the lack of phone calls and uh, contract offers were the signs from the universe. Sometimes they're pretty obvious ones. Uh, And at that point, I thought, you know what? It's time to try some other things. But I haven't strayed very far from the game, have I, Burnsy? Under your instruction, to a large degree. Yeah, really annoyingly, you've basically just retired straight into the highest echelons of commentary and actually done way more high profile and cooler gigs than me. So, yeah, it's great to have you in the commentary box these days, Mitch. Great to have you on the mic. Lovely to have another English voice out there. Um, yeah, you know, you, you keep trucking. For those who weren't tuning into the World Feed, Mitch, not only has he been on the World Series, which I've got to say has been awesome. Like, when you and I were in Hong Kong, like, commentating on the Hong Kong Sevens, Doing the semi-final, I just thought, wow, we started this in that little box room in my flat. And here we are at one of the biggest, one of the best. I mean, that that was just wild for me. But you've gone on and, mate, you did the World Cup, like the 15s World Cup, the Rugby World Cup in France. Co-commentator alongside Dallin Stanford. Mate, you did some massive games, massive games. What was that like? like epic you're right, massive games. Um, South Africa, Ireland, probably the pick of the bunch. Unreal in Paris. Um, but we had some, some absolute crackers. Um, we had Argentina, Japan, the shootout for the quarterfinal spot. It was just, it felt so privileged to be there, honestly. And I know that is the cliche line, but early on in my kind of commentary career, to be at some of those games, it was epic. And what a World Cup. I mean, it was class. Some of the rugby on show was ridiculous. Mate, absolutely wild. I mean, it's amazing how they'll let loose on the What about you, Joe? What have you been doing? Yeah, mate, uh, I, I was I was pretty emotionally spent after the Olympics, to be honest, um, because this pod had basically taken my soul. But 
it had actually got me to Tokyo. I don't know if uh, people remember, but I did get out there to Tokyo and I ended up commentating on the, not the Olympics, on the Paralympics though, which was pretty special. Uh, I did also get confined to my hotel room for 12 days in Japan, which is a little bit tough psychologically. I bet stuff got real um, weird for you at that but point. Yeah, too- Cause you're pretty weird anyway. Super weird. Super weird, man. Bernsey's top tip, don't watch an opening ceremony and uh, and Uber eats yourself a whole drinks cabinet because the next day when you wake up in a bedroom the size of a postage stamp and you're not allowed to go out and get any fresh air, you're going to want to kill yourself. <laughs> it was savage. But yeah, man, yeah, so yeah, bit, been on the commentary journey. I'm in Santiago at the moment. I've been living in Chile for the last six weeks, commentating on the Pan-American and Para-Pan-American games, which has been the definition of complete and utter chaos. But I've loved every second of it. And oh, yeah, I had a baby as well. <laughs> I had a baby. That was, that was as big a surprise to me. <laughs> As anyone, <laughs> um, we had a happy little miracle, uh, mate. I, I, I delivered him in our living room as well. I mean, that is wild. You could barely do, deliver um, a line, Bernsey, let so... alone a baby. Unbelievable. <laughs> oh, mate, I had a nap. I had a nap halfway through the uh, through the labour because I had like a real long day, like a hell of a day at work because I was still teaching then, and then she was just like desperate to have it and. She goes and has a bath. I'm like relaxing. I'm like, oh, thank God, like bit of TV, switch off. She comes out and she goes, I'm feeling a bit labory. I was like, a bit labory. What does that mean? She's like, you know, a little bit labory. I reckon she was in there just trying to smoke him out. Like she, like she just wanted out. She went into the bathroom. I don't know what went on in there. Anyway, like 20 minutes later, she's sitting on a Swiss ball. I'm like unpackaging this blow up pool to do to have a home birth. I'm like with a YouTube video up while she's asking things of me. I'm like, I'm trying to watch the instructions of how to fill the pool in our living room. Fast forward to the early hours in the morning. Like it, it's still ongoing. Anyone who's had a baby will know this. Like you're like, as soon as it begins to happen, you're revved up and you're humming at a high frequency. And but then it doesn't arrive for ages. So I peaked too early. I I I basically I basically fizzed out, and I had to have a nap on the couch <laughs> for for twenty minutes. So I had this nap for twenty minutes, like a little power hour. But then I came back swinging, and then just past seven uh, seven a.m., Buster Burns was born, and yeah, absolutely. I can't believe I own a human being. <laughs> A couple of a couple of observations. Um, firstly, anyone coming to the pod for some sevens rugby, we will get there at some point. But for now, <laughs> this isn't a podcast about the ins and outs of labour. But I also love how you told that story as if you were the main character when Poppy was the one delivering your son. You were very much a side portion. Yeah, look, shout out Poppy. For a huge performance. No drugs as well. She didn't know drugs. I mean, like, how hard... I didn't know that the dads are allowed to have a toke on the gas in the air, though. Like, because everyone I've spoken to since, they're like, what was the gas in air like? Yeah, I never had a go on that either. I was asleep on the couch. Hopefully, though, you guys aren't going to need any gas in air to get through this episode. Because 
we're kicking things off with a bit of a retrospect on the series that was last year. We are going to look at the New Look series, which isn't called the series anymore, actually. It's called Zns. 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 It's all change. It is the most grammatically incorrect sports competition in the entire world now, but it is not bigger. It's slightly smaller, but it's bigger in other ways. (laughs) But it's going to be the best, and it's back. So we're going to pick through what this new series is all about. Sorry, Zvins. Zvins. For the new viewers, for those tuning into Sevens for the first time, it used to be called the Sevens World Series, and it is a globe-trotting extravaganza where the best international rugby seven teams from around the world traverse the globe, playing each other in tournaments there used to be 10 tournaments in the series they would be in asia europe north america australasia you name it they were there and they would be back to back so they'd come in pairs you win points at each tournament and at the end of the 10th tournament the series winner would be declared it's been going on for years it has been thrilling us with some of the greatest tries and producing some of the best players and a hell of a party in the stands as well. So that's like a bit of a brief synopsis of what it was. New Zealand and Fiji, they've kind of always been the best in men's rugby, although South Africa might have a say about that. And then for the women, it's all a bit, it's been all about the New Zealand Black Ferns and the Aussie Sevens. No other team has ever won the series other than them. But we're back now, and we've got less men's teams, the same amount of women's teams that's 12 apiece and this time we have seven stops on the series and then it's all culminating in an eighth and final stop in a brand new destination in Madrid for a grand final I think I've covered everything there Mitch I've probably missed a few things out but that's the I'm so glad you took on that rundown you've done an expert job and those destinations are Dubai Cape Town Perth LA Vancouver, Hong Kong, Singapore, grand final in Madrid. And I guess the question is, Mitch, we've had a reformat of the series where we have this grand final in Madrid, but we've also got quite an interesting relegation situation as well now. What do you make of the new format? So my problem with the format, and I'll start there, is you could win seven tournaments. One team could win seven tournaments and you still wouldn't be crown champions at the end of the season. That, that's, a tricky, that's a tricky one to swallow. I think that is difficult. But, and it's a big but, what do we love in sevens? We love it when there's a bit of jeopardy. We love it when you've got a scrap and it's winner takes all. And that's what we've got with the finals in Madrid. Now, I think a particular... This sounds a little bit... Um, I don't know. It's tricky saying this, but as a fan, and let's be honest, I'm a glorified fan now, the relegation battle is pretty tasty, isn't it? You and I were both calling the men's relegation battle in London at Twickenham in season just gone. It was just, it was so tense. Every game was on a knife edge and you knew that there was so much on the line. So we've, we're have we going to see a fair bit of that type of action, aren't we? And that's got to be a good thing, isn't it? 
Yeah, man, I'm so pro the relegation format because, as you said, it was the first time that it had really come into play last series. And it created such good jeopardy for those last rounds because, as you said, in years gone by, if you're not mixing it in the top of the table, your series kind of peters out. You're not really playing for anything. There's no survival. There's nothing to win. So you had this situation where Uruguay, Canada and Kenya got sucked into this relegation playoff. Spain, unbelievably, managed to save themselves in, in, in Toulouse. Wow. Like, did they dig deep when it mattered the most? And Canada, despite finishing only one place above Japan, they were the ones who escaped. I mean, I was, I was gutted. Gutted for Uruguay because I loved their story of coming up from the Challenger Series. And Kenya, man. We've lost Kenya Corner, one of the most vibrant parts of the game. I, I can't believe that Kenya aren't going to be on the series. So there's been there's been some casualties as a result of this, but that's pro sport. I think for too long, teams were just guaranteed a seat at the top table and they didn't have to fight for it. And hopefully it's going to develop that fight for other nations coming up. And on that particular point about Kenya... Everyone got to lose them off a series, but something that will keep them afloat and to raise another important issue or factor of this season, the Olympics. Kenya managing to qualify for the Olympics in the men's competition, beating South Africa in their African playoff. Uh, and of course, at the other end, you, it's no resting on your laurels. If you've accumulated a whole heap of points over the season, you can't just chill and cruise through because it's all about how you show up in Madrid to take the take the trophy. Yeah, I think that, that that's the one that's going to take a bit of getting used to. Like, as you said, worst case scenario is someone wins all seven rounds and then they go to the grand final in Madrid, they have a, a bum weekend and then they don't come away with the win. So I think that's going to take a bit of time for fans and players to reconcile with that format. And... I mean, mate, you're close to the players. What, what are they saying? What's the feels around the players on the format? The unique challenge of the World Series is the consistency. And it's so hard to win a World Series because you have to be good all year round. And now that's sort of not the case. As long as you manage to get into the top eight, if you peak in Madrid, you could claim the whole thing. So it definitely gives a different complexion to the sport, any change like this is so difficult, isn't it? Because you don't just want to be these stuck-in-the-past dinosaurs that think, oh, it's not the way it used to be in, in my day. Um, but it is a different challenge. It is definitely a different challenge. Does it take the pressure off coaches? Does it mean they rotate their squads a bit more and things like that if you're kind of sitting in that top eight position? We'll see. Obviously, the, the additional jeopardy is there'll be some scrap, won't there, between kind of the teams in seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, I imagine come that period, pre-Madrid, who's trying to get into the finals and avoid the relegation. So it will be exciting that. But it, there's something a little bit... Um, would there be an emptiness if you won that in Madrid? Or do you think actually everyone would be like, fair play, you won it when it mattered, that's what it's about? I don't know if we're getting too bogged down in it because like it's been happening around leagues around the world for years. Like NRL, is it the top six in the NRL? They have some sort of complicated they have a they have a minor premier 
who is the person who wins the league, and then they have the grand, they have the grand or the major premier, and that they're the people who win the grand final, and that's the most prestigious, irrespective of if you win the league. So maybe I, I, maybe we're getting ourselves into a tangle. Maybe this is just the way it's been going for a long time, and, this, and the series is catching up. Right, let's take things off the pitch to my area <laughs> of expertise. The off-field vibes, the vibes. Uh, so Sevens are making, I guess, a big effort to connect with a younger demographic and try and make the series events a little bit more lifestyle-driven. They are adding music, they're adding food, they are adding other sports to the complex around the Sevens. And for anyone who's been to the Dubai Sevens before, which is the first stop in the series where Mitch and I are going to be next week. It is kind of looking to mirror the vibes that they have been bringing for over half a century in the desert. To quote a little bit of the media surrounding the relaunch of the series, they said, For seven months, we chased the sun across eight iconic destinations, bringing together a unique festival of sports, music, food, and immersive experience. Immerse me. Um, yeah, I love it. Like, um, the number of times people asked me when I was playing, oh, do you, you know, you know, the crowd sometimes, though, everyone's just there to have fun and, you know, enjoy themselves and have a bit of a party. And, and I was like, well, yeah, great. Happy days. Like, uh, I'm an, under no... Uh, I have no doubt that the rugby is doing its bit in terms of entertaining. Uh, and it is, for the purists, you go and you get an unbelievable spectacle. Um, I don't think sport needs to be the same for everyone. People enjoy and digest all this in different ways. So if we can bring some people in who might be there, oh, there's some rugby going on, but wow, this is also a great party and I love that music act that's playing and there's some other stuff going on over here. Why not? I like, And it sounds like all the events this year are going to be bigger and better than ever. And I'm for it. I really am. And I don't think it means that there's going to be a drop-off in terms of the quality of the rugby, which for me will always be first. Like, and probably for you as well. I know you love the wipes, but you also love the rugby. So why not have both? It's the dream combo. Yeah, I think it's the way that sport's going as well. And to be honest, it's not that far removed for what has been going on at sevens tournaments around the world at the non-professional yeah, level. Like. Any yeah, tournament, you, mate, because yeah. sevens, as far as I was aware and growing up, it's born out of, we even called them sevens festivals. Now I know that wasn't meant to necessarily emulate the music festival thing, but it was about people coming from different areas, um, different teams, different parts of the country or the world, coming together to celebrate sport and to celebrate the sport of sevens. But there was always fun happening. It was always lighthearted. It was always about the enjoyment. Um, and now we're just taking that all the way to the top level. Yeah, man, I feel that as a sport, rugby kind of gets itself a bit serious on itself a lot of the time. And I know that they tried to gear sevens back towards the rugby. And I think understandably so, I think for a long time and probably in a lot of people's hearts of a certain generation still, you mentioned sevens and they say, oh, it's a massive piss up in the South Stand in Hong Kong. And yeah, it is a massive piss up in the South Stand in Hong Kong. But it's also about phenomenal athletes on the pitch. And as you said, I think that that marriage can exist. And 
we've got to get new eyes on the game as well. For me, you don't have to have a stadium of purists. So I say, I say, bring it on, bring on the vibes, and I'm looking forward to getting those vibes. Pumping. I think it's only it's only right that we obviously watch the rugby intently. Being the Premier Sevens podcast, we need to be all over the rugby, but it probably makes sense for us to also be well across the vibes and the party uh, <laughs> and the off-field festival as well. So we'll be, we'll be diligent about that, won't we, Bersi? Don't you worry. Don't you worry, listeners. We got you covered. We got you covered. We're going to get some cool interviews, actually, this weekend. We are going to get some of the music acts. We are obviously going to get the biggest stars in the game as well because um, they all love Seventh Heaven. That's, that's the bottom line. One night in heaven, one night in heaven, Let's get a quick roundup of what happened last season because it gives us a good window of what's going to happen this season. We're not going to preview the season ahead just yet. We're going to do that next week, but we're going to rattle through the teams. I'm going to say a name and Mitch, you're going to give me a one-liner and maybe I'm going to throw in my two cents here and there. All right. So, Brazil. I think they're going to struggle. I think they're going to be at the bottom end. Ooh, tough. I think capable of a scalp. Talia Costa, Gabriela Lima, wheels out there. Spain. For me, always the battlers, always tough. Ladies hate playing against them. I know that for a fact. But being hard to beat doesn't win you anything. Player to watch, Claudia Pena. She's 18 years old. She has the feet of a wizard. Canada. Canada, you feel like they're just... You don't want to sleep on Canada. Are they going to win any tournaments? No. Will they cause some upsets and be there or thereabouts? Yes. All right, I'm going to throw it out there. Canada may be a little bit of a dark horse this year. Uh, They've been on a bit of a rebuild... I commentated on them at the Pan American Games where they lost to the USA in the final, but they were actually on top for kind of the duration. So they're still growing. I reckon they're going to improve a lot this season. Japan. Japan recently qualified, got their Olympic spot. They'll be buoyant off that. They haven't, for me, progressed that much in the last three years. Really? Mate, they're like my favourite team on the women's series to watch last year. Mate, they play such a nice I brand. I just don't know. If- like off, like offloads, zipping through holes. They got Wakabi Hara. She's like an arch finisher. Mate, I, I, I like Japan. It, I hate yeah. you. Oh, I wear that. I'm being quite negative, aren't I? Uh, I just want to start low, not get too excited, give myself room to, to go as the season goes on and give myself room to be proved wrong. Um, I'm just not sure. The firepower you mentioned, is it, is it enough to really hurt teams? GB. GB, I think, will go all right this year. I think they struggled for a lot of last season. It was a tough year last year for them. When we all remember when they got that bronze in Hong Kong. Rona, Lloyd's, tears as she scored the try, and it was beautiful to watch. And I think they've got some combinations. If they can keep players fit, a couple of their key players, and maybe supplement with a few additional red roses later in the season, hopefully, then they'll be real genuine contenders for medals. Fijiana. Yeah, love Fijiana. 
um, can't not enjoy watching them play. Rapia, Lunasau, Unreal, they're going to win some medals this year. I think they could take, I think they have the potential to take big scalps. So I think they have the potential to beat Australia, New Zealand. Ireland. You love Ireland, don't you? You're just waiting to chime in. They're your favourite team, aren't they? I do. I do like Ireland. I do like Ireland. I really, I really want them to win a competition. Really want them to win. Do you think they will? Do you think they will? Go on, put it down. Man, they've they've got what good sides have, and that's a nucleus that have been Mm. there for years. Like they've got um, Amy Lee Murphy Crow. They've got Lucy Mulhall. They've got Stacey Flood, who were who were the core of that team and then they've got seemingly like increasing numbers of young quality players coming through i watched baven parsons the other day uh in wxv and yeah she was playing against kazakhstan but (laughs) her and eve higgins together i just like looked at the way they were playing and i thought wow if they can really like get it together for a full tournament i think they've had some epic games against aussie sevens like like really times i think right you've got them but then they lose it. So I would love to see, like, we're not previewing, but I think they're in a good spot. They qualified for the Olympics. There's a great movement behind women's rugby in Ireland now. So I think, yeah, good spot, Ireland. France. Vive what are you France. saying, Mitch? You spent enough time there this summer. What do you, what do you make of I'm their really women's I'm really excited seven? because the door has been left open in French rugby for both sevens team, men's and women's, to be the favourite sons and daughters of the country after the 15s team didn't finish where they wanted in the World Cup this year. In some ways, it feels like they've probably underachieved in terms of the amount of the medals they've won, I think with the quality that they've got. So going into a big Olympic year, home Olympic Games, that might be the additional surge of electricity they need just to power up to their maximum. USA, recent Pan American Games gold medals. Yeah, I feel like the USA, if they start well, then they could be on a very nice trend. I I get the sense, and this is a vague sense, that they just will thrive off kind of being considered one of the favourites. And so success for them might breed more success. Got a good blend. I think sometimes they will just overpower teams and that'll be the way they'll go about their game. Two silvers and four bronzes last year. They actually only finished 10 points behind Aussie Sevens and they dumped them out in Toulouse as well. So they've got it in them, that's for sure. Speaking of which, the runners-up, however, still reigning Commonwealth and World Cup champions and series winners the year before, Aussie Sevens, perennially chasing NZ. What are you saying? What am I going to say? They're unreal. That's the first thing. Are they better than New Zealand? That's the question you're asking me, isn't it? Really? I'm running through the squad. Is what The reason I'm pausing there is because I'm running through their squad and I'm thinking they've got so many players that played so well last year, both the Levi sisters. I think obviously Charlotte Castle, if she's playing her best rugby, then she's probably the best player in the world for me. Which she has, which she has been, I think to be fair. Sure, I think she was a bit more up and down than she could be. I think Tim yeah. Walsh, the coach, will be trying to squeeze a bit of extra out of his players this year. I don't think they'll enjoy being set, playing second fiddle. They're a pretty competitive bunch. 
yes, they like the party, but they're also a pretty competitive bunch and they'll want to be at the top of the tree. I think I think they had they had disappointment in Sydney. I think that probably would have crushed them. Uh in they got they got beaten by France, didn't they? They got beaten early. It was a real surprise. I think that the Hong Kong final, do you remember how epic that final was between them and Blackfern Sevens? Like I was blown away. Like my eyeballs were nearly falling out of my head. It's to be there in the stadium. And then like the hacker as well from the Black Ferns. But the intensity and the quality of that final blew my mind. But I feel that after that, that was kind of the season done for them. Obviously, the, the series has kind of gone. And also, I think that emotionally, that would have been that would have been a big come down after sort of losing in that fashion to the epic Wacker tribe. But I mean, how many times has Stacey Wacker done that? Speaking of, should we talk about the series champions or better yet, let's get one of the Black Ferns themselves. It's the first time we're ever having a New Zealand female sevens player up in seventh heaven. And I could not be more delighted to be saying that it is Olympic gold medalist Shiree Kaka. Let's Shiree's the roof. One night in heaven, one night in heaven, one night in heaven. Shere Kaka, thanks so much for joining us. Good to have you on. Especially good of you to join us when, from the looks of all the socials, you guys are pretty much on holiday there <laughs> in Abu Dhabi. As always here, yeah, the Black Friends, you know, Black Friends Sevens always working hard and tanning and being at the beach, you know, all the good stuff. <laughs> Has it been a good run in though? I'm guessing you've done a little bit of training out there, obviously, ahead of the Dubai Sevens, first one. So prep been good so far? Yeah, well, it's probably the first like pre-season that we've actually had time because, you know, with COVID and everything, we kind of like had to rush back into it, but we've had a full... Um, couple months now, which has been pretty good. Not sick of the girls yet, which is unlike me. Um, so yeah, we're going good so far. Some of us went to Oceania as well and played a couple games there against Australia. So yeah, feeling pretty good going into um, Dubai actually. Now, Shere, I don't want to bring the vibe down early on things, but you mentioned Oceania. You mentioned your big rivals, Aussie Sevens, and. You played them five times and you didn't get a win. Like, hey, we that... got a draw. I know that you guys were mixing we teams up. We got a draw. Up. You got a draw. Big draw. Big draw. <laughs> Let's just focus on the draw. Um, nah, yeah. So we went down to them four times. Oh, four times and then drew once. But um, you know, it's when it's when it matters. It's in Dubai. Well, the, the saying is, we'll see. And Dubai's coming. Olympics is coming. So I don't mind losing Oceania if we win, uh, win the rest. So. Anything else before we move on? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I, f- I, f- I feel I feel we can't quite move on until like we just explore that rivalry a little bit because it is one of the great ones in sevens. You guys love going toe to toe, I think. Um, but you guys, I, I don't think there's two teams that ever want to beat each other more than Aussie sevens and Blackfern sevens out there. What's it like? Oh, it's actually pretty cool. Um, for the first time, well, because when I first came in, when I saw the Aussies, I was like, oh, head down, like not talking to them. But now, um, you know, there's a bit of bit of friendship. Oh, I don't know if it's friendship, <laughs> but we'll call it friendship here. If any of them are listening now, <laughs> just joke. Um, I actually enjoy talking to them, enjoy seeing them, um, enjoy seeing what they do on social media and stuff. So, 
um, the rivalry isn't as, isn't as intense as it usually is. But um, I feel like now with all the teams, the rivalry is kind of worldwide because like everyone is um, – the battle is just getting stronger between everyone. The skill set between each team – um, it's just unreal. So, like, I don't think the rivalry is just between us now. It's between every team, which is pretty cool. Um, well stared yeah. off, Sheree. I look forward to seeing you sitting down having an ice cream with the Aussie girls then <laughs> in Dubai. I'm sure that's uh, just the way it rolls now. But you said you've had a long run in, yeah? <laughs> I don't know about ice cream. This is a bar. Yeah, yeah. You said you'd... Maybe you guys have these accents, but maybe you're Aussie deep down, I feel. Bernsey? That sounds like an accusation. Hmm. It is a little what? bit. What? Mitch, that Mitch sounds Aussie. No, no, you guys have, um, you know, your normal accents. Wait, I, I don't want to say the wrong accent. Is it English? <laughs> yeah. It is? Okay, cool. Well, you never know. Like, there's, there's Irish, there's Scottish, there's whatever else. I mean, the giveaway, Sheree, the giveaway, Sheree, is that Mitch was England captain for like 10 years. <laughs> yeah, but, oh, no, because you was England and not Great Britain. That's where I'm getting confused. Who's Great Britain now? So he yeah, could have been either. That's that's good going. No fair play, Shrey. You've wriggled out of it. You've wriggled out of a few questions already. You're so well, we're so well trained. But with the long run in Shrey, like you said, it's been a good preseason. It's nice to have the time, but you've also had the time then to think about how on earth you go about topping last season because it was pretty decent. How, how do you better that? <laughs> oh gosh, I don't even know. Um, I think just the, like we always say, the stuff that we build off the field um, is pretty strong. So the connections that we have off the field, our vision and everything that we're, um, we come together off the field just shows on the field too. Um, the trust in our coaches, the trust in our management, the trust in our trainer and physio um, is super strong. So you don't get that often in lots of teams, um, especially when there's, what, how many, I don't even know how many of us girls are contracted, but with all the different personalities and all of that stuff too. Um, it's But, yeah, we've come together really well from that. Rugby-wise, that, that'll come. But, yeah, as long as we've got the, you know, the strength and stuff within our team, then that's all that matters at the moment. So, so we'll has anything changed rugby-wise or is it just business as normal? Because obviously winning seven, six out of the seven tournaments, you think, oh, just rinse and repeat. But we know that if you stand still in this sport, then you end up behind. So what's changed going into this one? Because obviously everyone's going to be hot at your heels, most likely the Aussie girls, especially. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why it's been pretty cool to play them as well, because, you know, um, come Olympic year, everyone's just ready to go and everyone um, wants to be the best straight away when we go into it. So I think um, from us, it's not too, too much focused on rugby, but just actual the freedom of um, figuring out what, what kind of player you are and stuff too and, and bringing that to the team um game plan and everything that'll come later on but yeah at the moment it's just just the freedom to play some footy and and love rugby which is pretty cool coming into the olympic year who are the other teams out there that uh that you really like the look of mm. well like there used to only be kind of like three you know three or four top teams that were going at it all the time but now it's pretty much everyone we've got um at the moment there's here in Abu Dhabi, there's Canada and France, and I think Brazil are coming too. But um, those are Canada, France, two teams, USA, Australia, Fiji, Great Britain. Um, like they're all quality teams. So yeah, we can we can bank on anyone. Like this is going to be a really interesting series. So I'm excited to see how we go against all of them and how they all go against us too. 
the Olympic year was all about the Olympics. And is that the way you guys are going about it as well? Or are you keen to knock off all the World Series tournaments while you go about it? Yeah, I think with every team, like the Olympics is kind of the pinnacle, you know. But um, I'm I'm a little bit different in that, you know, my years are coming to an end as a rugby player as well. So I'm not really focused on the Olympics. I'm just focusing on enjoying every day, um, waking up and getting to play footy as my job um, and kind of just being able to support Gillies as well while he figure out what, well, figures out what he wants to do after rugby. Um so yeah, like as a team, definitely that's that's the goal is is winning the Olympics. But um, personally, it's just enjoying every every day that I get to get to wake up and play footy and get to travel the world for free. So yeah, a little bit different personally, but yeah. I love that. I've got a lot of time for that. Is that also why you're exploring a little bit more with outside of rugby, doing some other bits and pieces? Talk talk to us about raise the roof. That's been some cool <laughs> stuff and like part of a few different bits you've been doing off field. Yeah, well, I just um, I've been in a, in and out of the teams for maybe ten years now. Um, lost my contract, got my contract back, lost it again, got it back, and um, had a bit of like a downfall mental health wise. So I had to figure out what I actually enjoyed um, outside of playing rugby, and it was dogs, it was creating videos, it was um, kind of sharing sharing the stuff that I'm going through in hopes that it would help somebody else. Um, just finding a bigger purpose outside of playing rugby. Um, and so that's kind of why I'm, I'm doing the videos and creating. It wasn't to go and get another job or anything. It's just because I genuinely enjoyed making and creating videos. Living the dream. Hey, Shere, you, you've been pretty you've been pretty modest here. You're telling us that, you know, raise the roof is you just having a bit of crack with your friends. But uh, I see you made your TV <laughs> debut what, 11, 12 weeks ago, uh, doing a report for Sky. Can I just say how refreshing it is to work with a proper broadcaster for once instead of this other this other dude? But, I mean, that's that's massive. That's massive getting on TV. You're going places. Yeah, I just need the microphone like he's got. It looks a bit, bit more professional All the gear, than my no earphones, idea, Shrey, I'll we'll tell you. All the gear, no idea. No idea. <laughs> oh, that's the classic story of my life. Um, but, yeah, I got a pretty cool opportunity to do some reporting work um oh I'm just the just the intensity of of working working under that stuff and being on live tv national tv it wasn't live sorry national tv and having to um having to talk to strangers and try to try to bring stuff out of them too I'm sure you'll know that it's it's actually quite hard sometimes so um something that I enjoyed and just another pathway that I could potentially do after rugby but yeah, we're, we're sticking on for a little bit longer. As long as my knees can go, then we'll keep playing rugby. But <laughs> once that time's up, we'll see. You nearly, uh, well, Michaela nearly broke your nose the other day. Michaela Blyde, you were trying to teach how to goosey. I saw that recently. So you need to watch out for some of your teammates. But the ones that we, there's a few that we want to watch out for. Well, firstly, how is your nose? <laughs> it's good it's good the the sad thing is is that it's naturally really big because of my jeans um but she's just made it a little bit bigger so that's cool gillies can mock me more now but in the subject of watching out for your teammates we saw one of the younger one amongst the other day got the four-year contract georgia miller obviously superstar last season so we just want to touch on her real quick what's she like when you're training with her you must see you know, a whole host more than what we're seeing out there on the World Series. Yeah. Well, first of all, she's just so bloody strong. Like, I don't, it's 
not fair. When I was 17, 18, I was a stick. And she's come on. She's so hard to tackle. She's so, like, I think it's her Highland dancing. Like, she can be on this angle and still just stay the same speed. Um, she's just unreal. But off the field, she's she's just a little, I was going to say the S-H-I-T word, but I don't know if you guys swear on this podcast. Um, <laughs> but she, she is just such a, yeah, cheeky as and probably, like, um, you know how you come into the team and you're quite shy and you only hang with your select group of people, but she's come in and she actually, she gets along with everybody, coaches, management, every single player, um, older, younger, anything. So yeah, we're pretty lucky to have her for four more years too. Unlucky to whoever sticks around for that long. I can't wait to see what she's going to do this year. She's going to absolutely rip up. Yeah. For her to start like that, um, she's going to go down the books as a legend for sure. What's the rest of the pipeline looking like? Because like, if you're pumping out players like Georgia, there's there's got to be a pretty good production line behind it. Yeah, yeah. You, you would have seen it in Oceania too. Um, some of the girls coming through. So you've got Kelsey Tanetti. You've got um, Manaya Nuku. You've got um, some girls that are coming back, um, like Teresa Fitzpatrick, who's been in before she was um, on at the Olympics too, but making her come back after a few injuries. So... There's heaps of people coming through. You've got Serena Tamaki and um, Taisha Kinasio as well, who um, haven't played much on the series, but once they get the opportunity, like they're ready and humming. So it's pretty cool within our um, within our team. No one's really safe in their position because there's always somebody with just as much talent that can come through. So we're pretty lucky as a country to um, to have heaps of talent coming in. I'm pretty lucky as a country, but what's that like as a player? It's obviously exciting that oh everyone's trying to gosh. get better the whole time. But <laughs> oh, it's tiring! It's tiring. I just want to. I just want to be comfortable. Like like I said before, I've been in and out of the team for ten years, and only came to my strides last year. Um, so that's how long it took me to get a starting spot in the bloody team. Um, but then come this year too, like. I could be coming off the bench, I could be starting, I could, you know, there's heaps of different options there. So it's pretty hard. You just want to show up and you just want to have some fun and throw the ball around. But um, when there's a young girl on your tail, or not even a young girl, when there's an older girl, whoever on your tail, like it's, it's yeah, it's competitive. So like I said before, making sure that, um, you know, our sisterhood is strong is, is important too because we're all pushing each other. We're all happy for one one another um so that'll be yeah just real important coming to the olympics hey look we're gonna wrap things up in a second Shire, but talking about dubai always the first stop always very exciting with the invitationals around like out in the middle of the desert it's a pretty mad spot to be playing sevens how does it rank for you up there in the tournaments obviously it's special because you made your debut yeah, no, nah, it's pretty cool. And just the hotel and everything, the full experience of Dubai is pretty cool. But I'm a little bit gutted that there's no performances on Sunday. So Dubai Sevens, let's work on that. Because I got to watch Craig David last year after the tournament. Um, but I'm gutted there's, there's some good acts on Saturday too. So hopefully the people that are coming to watch go and enjoy that experience too. You guys will probably be enjoying that, eh? No comment. We'll be working, Bernsey, right? Right? <laughs> no comment. <laughs> Yeah, you'll I mean, be working. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I played rugby to a standard that I, all I could do was enjoy the social side. <laughs> oh, so, you know. We'll go and enjoy it just because you can't, <laughs> You can send me some videos. 
Yes, please. I've got a few um, songs that I'll need you guys to scream for me on Saturday night as well. So, um, but yeah, nah, it's up there. I love Dubai. Love playing in it. Um, love the crowd that get amongst it as well. And just, um, you know, that whole summer feel that the World Rugby is going for. I think Dubai is nailing it. So, yeah, real excited to play in it. Just for the feedback, if you were going to book an act for next year, who would be number one on your bill? Rihanna. Sheree, what an absolute privilege to have you in seventh heaven. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me, guys. And hopefully you guys can pull something out of that good Wi-Fi that I've got too. Thanks, Sheree. Awesome to chat to you. Sheree, absolutely love her work. Looking forward to seeing her and the Black Ferns and all the women in action when we get to the sandpit. But let's talk about the men, Mitch. It has to be whistle-stop. Um... Right, let's kick it off. Um, bottom of the pile, Canada. The escapologists, <laughs> the great escape. I mean, I'm sure they're still dining out of that and surviving. It's not. It was the program survival, wasn't it? But for a lot of the season, they looked they were struggling, and they managed to find some quality towards the end to survive um, that we hadn't seen in the rest of the season. They've had changes over the last couple of years, coaches in and out, things like that. So uh, will they come in more settled probably into this year? Are they going to be down the bottom of the pile? Probably. Spain. Now, I like Spain. I really like when they are when they are popping. They are so nice to watch. I think they've got amazing variety to their personnel They've got as such well. good players and they are, I know it's as, the case with a lot of teams out there, but they are a horrible team to play against. Very hard to get the ball off them. Um, and they've, they've got firepower. They've got firepower. Um, the likes of Moreno, like horrible to play against, really tricky player. Yeah, but when Moreno and those guys play well, as you said, they are, they are really difficult. And uh, they saved their Ramon or bacon, if you're speaking English, uh, at the end of the series. So, you know, when it counts, they can rise to the challenge. So good on you, Spain. USA, can't believe they finished in 10th last year. Wow. Well, I can believe it because they weren't great. They played a lot of pretty average rugby and then you could see there was huge amounts of frustration in the group. A lot of players in there used to doing much better. Steve Thomason, I remember feeling like he must have just been struggling with the results they were getting return of a couple of people Madison Hughes he's back so he in their that playmaker role will he give them a bit of a boost steer the ship been there done it won some tournaments at the top level Great Britain your old stomping ground Mitch well yeah it's a tough time for GB the setup uh, has taken some hits it's probably starting from a low point and a period of rebuilding the sevens is not an easy place to be rebuilding. I think they don't have a huge squad, full-time squad. That will hurt them potentially. They get a couple of injuries, which they've got now. So it's going to be a tough start for them in Dubai. I think they could potentially be, uh, if they if they get a couple of bad results, they, they will have to be looking at that relegation scrap potentially. Oh, I hate saying that. I really hate saying that. But they've also got to focus on the Olympic qualification thing as well because they've got to go to the World Repechage. So what are you focusing on? You know, if it if it's a case of resting players to try and peak at the World Repechage, I mean, oh. That, that Olympic Repechage is a nightmare. 
Like ever, ever since Kenya beat South Africa and South Africa in the Repechard, that has just changed the game. Just for people who aren't across it all, very quick interlude. There is one ticket left to the Paris Olympics next year. And the way to get your hands on that ticket is to win the World Repechard, which is next year. It's usually in Monaco. Usually in Monaco, somewhere cool. Winner takes all. There is one spot left at the Olympics and fighting it out will be GB, South Africa, Canada, um, to name a few of the top ones. Um, a team that aren't there because they won the European qualification place. I'm really surprised when I look back through the, um, through the table. Ireland came eighth last year, silver in Dubai, but otherwise pretty unremarkable. Yeah, they dropped off. It did feel like they dropped off a bit, didn't it? Um, but the, the former player, yeah, Terry Kennedy, back in the mix for them. Harry McNulty, captain in the side. Yeah, they'll be middle of the pack, probably, but they're, they're threatening. The Kennedy-Comroy combo, always a dangerous prospect. Uh, Australia, they came in as champions. They exited in sixth place. Not the barnstorming title defence thereafter. Underperformers, got to say it, like, you know... They would have expected a whole lot more of themselves, but with a bit of a boost, potentially. Oh, yeah, we haven't spoken about this. Oh, you want me to speak about it? <laughs> Correct, yeah. <laughs> um, Michael Hooper, been at the top of professional 15s for a long, long time, captain the Wallabies, making the switch. How about it? Coming over to try and bolster the Aussie Sevens team and to try and get himself into an Olympic Games and potentially an Olympic medal. What do you reckon? Going to add or detract value? We've seen it happen both ways in previous Olympic campaigns. Look, we could do a whole episode on this and maybe, maybe, we'll, we carve will. Out a big, a, maybe we'll carve out a big section in the next one because it is worthy of discussion along with DuPont coming over for France. I'm sure Hoops is going to be great. He's obviously going to be great in the camp and he is a talented player. There ain't no doubt about that. And there's been lots of Auss good Aussie back rows who've travelled the other direction. Do you remember Sean McMahon? Yeah. That absolute head case. He played back row for their 15s. He started in sevens. Do I think that Hooper is going to make the difference for the Aussie sevens to be a premier side? I'm not getting those feels. Like someone who'd be better would be if they could get Corey Tall back from the Brumbies because he was exceptional for them when they won the series that year. So I think there's, I think it's cool. He's going to be an asset, but I don't, I don't think it's going to change the world. But we can really get our teeth into those cross-code breakers um, in the next episode. Samoa. These guys, these, I love these guys. These were my favourite team on the series last year. Them and Argentina. Also just secured Olympic qualification. First ever Samoan... Uh, team sport uh, to go to Olympic Games. So they'll be buzzing off that. Obviously, with Australia getting the auto qualifying, that was a nice, nice cruisy one for them compared to re uh, previous Olympic qualif qualifying competitions. Apollo Maliko scoring tries for fun. Ridiculous, even though if he did give half, given half of them on the cheap by his teammates, remember that in Twickenham? They were trying to top up his title. Yeah, they kept the title race because he was up against it, against Mineta. And he did it and he won, um, which was better. But he scored a few himself, totally off his own back as well. So, um, yeah, really good team. 
really like nice balance of of power, footwork, agility, good defensive team um, when it goes right for them. Um, I love Samoa. I think they lack one out and out gas man. Like if they had a Manetta, they would. For me, they'd be champions. They they just like they've got a lot of fast players and a lot of tricky players. Um, like, but they're kind of operating in the middle. They don't have someone out on the edge who gets it and just goes. But who knows? They might they're at, they're at a premium. Those type of wheels are a premium. It's all relative, right? Because everyone's quick out there. But the next level speedsters, not every team has one. Our hosts for the Olympics, Le Bleu France. Allez Le Bleu. All eyes for them on home Olympics. They, their ability to keep the ball alive last year was really hurting teams. And they're playing some lovely rugby. Good balance to the squad. Big squad. Well-funded. They all want to know what it's like to win a tournament this year and carry that feeling. Yeah, France, yeah, haven't won a... They've only won one tournament ever, and that was their home one. Came close very a lot of times last year. They need to beat the All Blacks. That's the big thing that's missing from their package. Beat the All Blacks, and I think that they could do things. Fiji. Now, some of the fans on social media, you know that unkind world, social media, they were saying worst team ever. That was the kind of chat coming from them at the end of last year's series. And this is a series where they won three silvers and three bronze. So that's medals in six of the 10. But it was the first time in forever that they didn't win an event on a series. What what do you think? Well, they're expected to win, aren't they? That is what the fans at home expect of them. Thing is, they didn't win, but they were good. I mean, in moments, I mean, Ben Golling's coaching there now. I He must have had a tough year. It's very hard to ignore all the noise. So I wonder how he's feeling about this season. Maybe there's less pressure because they didn't do that well last year. So, you know, if they bag a tournament and get a win, it will take the heat off. But the reality is it's like having the England football job, isn't it? Uh, there's this kind of, if you're not winning, then people are going to let you know about it. The thing is, you, you know that they're just going to unearth some ex-prison guard from a village somewhere who is the greatest player to have ever played the game. And then... You're going to get a few players coming back in, t- in for the Olympics. So uh, it's, it's going to be a different landscape for them, but it's going to be interesting to see how they come back after last year. We're going to leapfrog second place last year. We're going to go straight to the top, to the AB7s, who were back to their bloody best. But didn't look that promising for them at the start of the season because they didn't make it out of the quarterfinals at the first tournament. Everyone was saying, whoa, AB7's on the downfall, but... One bronze, two silvers, five golds, some electrifying players. Oh, write them off at your peril. And I think anyone was eating some humble pie if they thought at the start of the season they weren't going to be good. Um, talk about production line in Fiji, good players coming through. There's a few youngsters last year who, who set it alight and to have the luxury of working with a squad. There was at one point they had um, seven players injured who were left at home who were probably their best seven players and they still won the tournament. I think that might have been in Hong Kong. And when you realise that and you appreciate the depth they've got in their squad, 
It serves them very, very well indeed. Rock Lasseau was unreal. Leroy Carter, Bumfa, was was very, very good. I think he could be the man this year potentially for them. Rocky Lasoa, to use a much overused phrase, that guy's a cheat code. <laughs> the stuff he did last year from nothing, single-handedly winning games. I don't know how someone can be that much better than everyone else when he's on the ball. Absolutely insane. So that is everybody, apart from the second-place team, the team that won three gold medals. Hamilton, Vancouver, London, all gold for these boys, along with three other silvers around the series. They announced themselves fully to the series last year. Argentina, really one of the sides to watch, one of the sides to beat on the series this year and definitely looking ahead to the Olympics. The reason we haven't spoken about them is because we're hearing from their youngest player, 21 years old, Agustin Fraga, living the dream, playing sevens among those Argentinian superstars. Let's hear it from our man, Agustin. One night in heaven, one night in heaven, Mate, so good. So good. We're so pleased to have you. Thank you. Thank you for inviting So bearing in mind all the success you had, Agus, last year as a team, is that just because you're all sipping mate pre-game in the change rooms? Was that was that the key to it, or was there some <laughs> other stuff that was responsible for you guys doing so well last year? Um, yeah, probably that was the main thing because we were all connected. But now um, I think the work uh, it has been a long term. Even even when I was out the team, I began playing sevens two years ago. Uh, I think like the, the the work the the kids are are doing started in Tokyo, twenty twenty one, the Olympic Games with the bronze medal. Uh, so so yeah, the the, the work began began there, and we are always building up. Uh, we are a strong family, as we say. Yeah, we 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 create. I think the main thing is that we are always connected between us and. I love that. I think you can see it. And I don't want to go back to Tokyo to the bronze medal match, um, but it's not about me. <laughs> but watching the emotions of, and obviously when the match was finished, there was probably a sense there that that was, it was the end of something, but it was also the beginning of something. And, but I'm going to say that the togetherness, and I love that. I think the intangible value of being tight as a group is fundamental in sport. It's one of those things that's so difficult to explain because it's subjective. But I am going to come with a couple of objective points that actually some of the firepower that has come alive in the squad in the last couple of years is also pretty unreal. What's it like looking around the change room and who do you look at and think, I'm so glad that they are on our team? Well, for us, it's unbelievable that uh, in three years we have two best players of the world, and two years ago it was Marcos, and last year was Terry Kennedy, and this year is Rodrigo Isgro. And I think, um, and we all think, uh, Lucho Gonzalez could be there, and Tutu Atsatsu could be also there. So yeah, it's bit, it's pretty impressive that the amount of, of high quality players we have, and me as as a young, as the youngest player, uh, looking up. You, you, they are your partners, 
but at the same time, it's the competition you have to to, to take the place in the starting seven. So, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. But as as I said, um, the competition, like the, the the group is is so connected that the competition it's it's perfect. Yeah, like. I've I've got to ask. So yeah, Marcos Moneta, yeah. World Player of the Year. Rodrigo Iscro, World Player of the Year. Luciano Gonzalez, most terrifying man of the year. Like, what? What is it like? What is it like training with Gonzalez? <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks God, he doesn't beat us as he beats like the other players of, of other countries. Um, but but yeah, his fifty percent is not like a normal guy. So it, it, it's pretty difficult to, to, to defend him. Um, but, but yeah, we also know like we are giving him the ball and we, when he has it, we even don't know what's going to happen because maybe he has two players around him and, and he's pretty tied up. But suddenly he, I don't know, he crashes one and then jumps the other way and starts going all across the, the pitch and goes away so it's pretty difficult also to play with him but but it's awesome we we, we have a lot of fun what, what does coach santi say to a player like him and maybe a couple of the other guys when they are just looks like they're just doing what they want and normally it works out and does does coach santi say like please do this please do that or does he just say go and do whatever it's literally like that uh santi uh, <laughs> as a head coach it's very like systematic and strategic, and when Lucho has the ball, uh, it's whatever he wants. It's like to to I don't know how to say it to 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 take Lucho inside the the, the strategic he had. We're of course talking about Santiago Gomez Cora, coach of Argentina, but a legend in his day when he was a player as well. Do you enjoy? Playing under his leadership? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he knows everything about sevens. He knows like how to attack, how to defend. He's all alone. He has his right hand, that is Leo Gravano, and the other member of the staff. Um, but yeah, he's like the head of everything. He's, he's everywhere. Hey, Algus, you we've been talking about the connection that you guys have got as players together. What about the connection that you have with your fans? Yeah, in the case of, of Tom in football, uh, Argentina is crazy about football. And as you say, I think every Argentinian is very passionate and it would be it would be give everything. Uh, when we went world champion, we were like six million out in the streets uh, in the center of of Buenos Aires, uh, just walking and celebrating six million people in, in the streets. Uh, it was crazy. And yeah, I think when, when we play rugby, like the Puma sevens, um, as I told before, as we are used to play in, in cities that are very away from home, when we see like Argentina fans, um, we try to, to keep, very close to them because we know the effort they have to give for 
for being there. So, so yeah, we 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 feel very like close to them, even though even though we we don't know them. Okay, let's go back to France, but let's fast forward in time mm-hmm. to Paris yeah. and for the Olympics. How excited are you, Agus? You're 21 years old, and this is the year that maybe you're going to get to play in an Olympic Games. And also, it's the best Argentinian team to ever go to an Olympic Games. This must be very exciting for mm-hmm. you. Yeah, we're very anxious. But as, as something that we always say between us and to us, we play action by action in, the, in, in one game. So... We also know we have a lot of tournaments before the Olympic Games that probably are very important and are going to prepare us to Paris. But we have to play first Dubai, first Cape Town, then Cape Town till Madrid, hopefully. Um, so yeah, we, we know the Olympic Games are a big, a big event, big tournament, but we are concerned by the things that are coming up earlier so with that in mind is it just going to be more of the same so do what you did last year or is there going to be some new stuff a bit a few changes in the tactics some different style maybe some new players that we don't know about what's going to be new this year coming into the series no we have uh one new player that is it's like a new player but not uh it's santiago mare he played the olympic the past olympics uh i don't think so uh for now, we don't change everything. Nothing. We always change little things depending on on the team we are playing against, but nothing like big big changes. Muy bien, muy, muy bien. bien, as they say round round my parts. <laughs> Excelente, 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 excelente. All right then. Um, uh, <laughs> hasta luego, muchacho. Uh, and uh, we wish you and all the Pumas uh, best of luck in Dubai. I can't wait to see you guys in action again. Thank you. See you soon. One night in heaven, one night in heaven, Absolutely awesome to get Agus on there. I mean, 21 years old, that kid's got a wise head on young shoulders, incredible English. And like for me, such a privilege to I don't get inside the South American teams, because it's kind of a bit of a hole. It's a bit of a blind spot for us, I think, in the English-speaking world that we don't get to explore the minds of the Argentinians enough. And they're a thriving, thriving nation and continent. A fascinating team and a brilliant team to watch last year. It was so fun watching them do their thing. Arguably the real superstars of Argentinian rugby, but also of world rugby, Mineta, East Greg, these guys, Gonzalo, doing ridiculous things. So really cool to hear the insight into what goes on. And annoyingly, we stopped recording a little bit too early because then afterwards you were asking him what it's like being the youngest member on the team and if there are any initiations. <laughs> I said that they they make the... Uh, when you make your debut for Argentina, you have to eat a tablespoon of cinnamon. <laughs> I did wonder what he was going to say when he was pausing over it. He was, you have a tablespoon of, and I was like, where is he going here? He had, to, he had to Google it, didn't he, for the translation. The cinnamon. Right. 
that is a pretty decent effort to rattle round the sides and give you a taste of what's to come this season. Time to get your crystal ball out, Mitch, in a new feature that will be here on a weekly basis in seventh heaven. Mystic Mitch. We need some theme tune music, don't we? Mystic Mitch, I would like your series predictions, men and women. I want your bottom four, your series leaders heading to the grand final in Madrid, and I want your grand final winner. Men and women, go. Okay. Um, Right, we'll go for the women first. I think the bottom four, Spain, Brazil, South Africa, Japan, in no particular order, but I think they'll be on the scrap. I think New Zealand... Do I think New Zealand? I think New Zealand will be top going into it, and I think they'll win it. Oh, he's called it. That's big. That's big. It's just because we're chatting to Sheree, and I'm just going to keep a sweet for next time. Men's? Yeah, men's. Oh, this is a real tough one. I think it's going to be Canada, Spain. Horribly, I think GB could be in there. And tough. for me... Tough thoughts and prayers with you, Mitch, for saying that, Mitch. I know, I know. Uh, USA or Ireland, they're going to be there. They're going to be fighting out. I think Ireland. But, but the weird thing is, this is. I've got. I need to just readjust my crystal ball to be a bit more certain about this. But also, both of those teams could be competing for medals throughout. But that's it. That's the beauty of it. That's it. You could be competing for medals one week, and then the relegation to a month later. Well, this is kind of why the 12-person, the 12-team series is kind of working already, isn't it? Because like previously, you had a clear bottom and a clear top eight, didn't you? Whereas like now, you know, so maybe maybe they're on to something. Maybe this 12-team gig ain't so bad. Anyway, I'm stealing your thunder. Who's going to win the whole thing? Oh, sorry, who's going to be top and then who's going to win the whole thing? I'm going to say New Zealand will be top going into Madrid. Fiji win the whole thing. Oh, oh, all right. Let's let's save this conversation. Let's lock in in a capsule, bury it somewhere and crack it open the day after the series climaxes in Madrid. Right, Mitch, we got to go. We got lives to lead and people have got sevens to get excited for. Seventh heaven is back what an episode thank you to Shire Kaka of the Black Fern Sevens thank you to Agus Fraga our new buddy from the Lost Pumas Sevens thank you to you Mitch for dusting off the microphone now that you're all big time and do World Cups and all that and coming back to lowly old seventh heaven and thank you to you for tuning in please share like subscribe you know the drill get the word out we want lots of people listening to this pod we want to spread the sevens gospel and we want as many singing from those hymn sheets as possible however for now until next time from all of us up in the clouds up in seventh heaven it is adios bye